You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. So as you just heard just now in the opening of this show, Mark and I, the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast, is now a proud member of the ESO Network. That's right, everyone. We've made it. You know, we are part of the ESO Awesome Podcast Network, and it's a really great feeling. All the hard work has paid off, and we are part of an awesome network. Yeah, we made it, baby. We made it. (laughs) From the author of the book by the same name, it's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McCray. Welcome back, friends, to yet another episode of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Klink, of course, joined by Mark McRae. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Really excited to tackle this next uh, topic. Uh, Live action, established properties, going into animation. Look, we haven't figured out a sexy name for it yet. That's what it is. (laughs) Uh, to, To put it succinctly... Uh, when a famous actor, a uh, a character played by an actor, persona, gets animated, gets animated when you're watching a cartoon and it's like, hey, there is so-and-so, and that's the famous person who otherwise is uh, not animated. Right. We're going to tackle the golden age first because that's where a lot of this uh, practice actually took off. And we're going to be mentioning a lot of legendary famous people from that era, some of which you've probably heard of and some you probably have never heard of. But keep in mind at the time, every person, director or star that we talk about was huge enough or big enough to be caricatured into an, a cartoon. Well, the genesis of it goes back to Hollywood, back to the, the 30s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, around the 30s, 40s, there is a Popeye cartoon. It was one of my favorites called Never Kick a Woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good advice. Well, well Good advice. you shouldn't kick anybody anyway. Um, yeah. But uh, the film was from 1936. And, and the premise is that Popeye wants to teach Olive how to box. And right. there is a really uh, beautiful boxing instructor who looks a lot like the actress Mae West. Come up and see me sometime. Right. That Mae West. Known for being uh, very sexy and and pushing the, uh, the Hollywood code right. in terms of uh, content and story. Yes, she was sexualized and as an actress knew it, but... Her characters, they, they had agency over themselves. Correct. And and in this Popeye cartoon, uh, she is uh, drawn beautifully, and she's the boxing instructor, and her and Olive Oil uh, actually get into a physical fight. But there are some funny moments. The Mae West boxing instructor punches Olive, and every time she punches her, Olive Oil's hairstyle changes. Spoiler alert, I believe that uh, Olive Oil uh, (laughs) ends up (laughs) taking the spinach or eating the spinach in this particular episode and teaches this Mae West knockoff a lesson or two about uh, flirting with Popeye and and also, you know, trying to beat, beat her up as well. One of the classic Popeye 
episodes. Yeah, it's 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 one of my favorites. Uh and I think it was the first time as a kid that I saw like two female characters actually fighting, you know. I mean, a lot of the cartoons usually show guys fighting all the time, but Oh, sure. This, this was a departure from from all of that and it was, you know, 1936. Yeah, check it out. We actually found some information on it uh on a website called boxing.com. <laughs> a lot of you may remember growing up but uh, Generation X, there were a lot of uh, Looney Tunes cartoons, MGM. We we got a lot of animation that came out of the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, in the 70s, 80s, going into the 90s, you know, packaged for a uh, television audience. And uh, if you're my age, odds are you've seen this next cartoon, uh, Hollywood Steps Out. Yeah, from 1941, which has like all the top tier stars from the 1940s right. that are caricatured, right. and some of the celebrities you recognize and some you don't, but it's it's a really cool cartoon of that era. Celebrities have a a persona. Back in the day, in the absence of tabloid, the internet, TMZ, and whatnot, you had these cartoons that would uh, roast these guys. Oh, you know, Clark Gable. And his big ears. Um, Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland, uh, Dorothy Lamar. James Cagney. Humphrey Bogart, I believe, is in it as well. Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Jimmy Stewart. Oh, dude, Boris Karloff, Henry Fonda. Right. You know, Spencer Tracy. Everybody. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole thing is, uh, is, is emceed by Bing Crosby, who right. uh, I think they give it to him a little, a little harder than Clark Gable. Right, right. So one of the things I remember about watching a lot of Looney Tunes cartoons, it seemed like Bing Crosby has been caricatured the most out of any celebrity of this era. I don't know if he pissed anybody off at one of the or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and they always make jokes about Bing Crosby. You know, he had bought a racehorse and apparently the horse had a very terrible track record and they were always making jokes about the horse losing as well right there are some instances and we'll talk about that later where the actual actors themselves would voice their own cartoons but right. it seems like in a lot of these they found a voiceover actor that can imitate the star perfectly yeah i'm not one of them like um, in A Tale of Two Kitties uh, from 1942, which is the first Tweety Bird cartoon, you have a caricatures of Abbott and Costello, who were a comedy team, a very famous comedy team, and they right. were caricatured as cats. This is the, 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 the genesis of uh, the, the crossover. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating that parody is how it began, because we're going to see later that these stars end up uh, wholeheartedly embracing and moving forward with this crossover. Also, we have to think about back in the day, there was no television. People actually went to the theaters like every day. And a lot of these cartoons were not made for kids. They were made for the adult audience that was coming to see whatever adult picture was playing. And oh, yeah. I think that the guys at uh, Fleischer and MGM and, and Warner Brothers obviously wanted to have a little bit of fun by uh, creating, you know, animated versions of famous stars. Uh, that, that That's kind of the last generation in, in the Western Hemisphere in, in the United States where childhood was very much secondary to uh, quote-unquote real life. 
there was no comic book code. Uh, there was no rating system in place. We're coming. It, we're going through the depression right into World War II. Right. You know, there are a lot, a lot of, a lot of harsh concepts are every day uh, compared to today. When, when looking back then, you know, I mean, tobacco use, violence, all that stuff. You know, they're in the cartoons. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting you say that because there was a uh, there was a Hollywood code for live films, and so right. a lot of movie fans always talk about pre-code, and that was anything made before 1933, and post-code, and that was everything made after 1933. But right. it seems like with a lot of the animated cartoons, they sort of fell between the cracks. They were kind of able to slide <laughs> it between the lines. <laughs> so yeah. there wasn't a lot of regulation going on because, you know, it's, 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 it's a cartoon, and this this sort of snobbery about cartoons anyway that is not as important as a, a live action feature right. you know and uh, i hate to say it but that type of snobbery still exists today you know go find yourselves another podcast you hipsters whatever <laughs> we're talking cartoons whatever. man <laughs> yeah we're talking cartoons dude I don't know, go listen to Joe Rogan or something else that'll uh, doesn't require you to think so hard right so we've got hollywood we we have the serials coming out in the theaters and then television, nineteen uh, getting into the mid mid fifties. Mid fifties, right, right. And so uh, the fifties is kind of an interesting era because the movie studios had to deregulate; they no longer owned the movie theaters around the same time that television was starting, and Hollywood was kind of thrown into chaos because television was this new technology, this new medium that was stealing viewers from the movie folks. Right. However. It still made things interesting because a show like The Honeymooners, which was a pretty big, successful series uh, from the right. 1950s, ended up being spoofed and parodied in a series of cartoons uh, starting in 1956 called The Honeymousers. Right. Parody comes to television. Right, exactly. And uh, these cartoons were directed by uh, Robert McKimson. And there were three of them. There was the Honey Mousers, Cheese It, the Cat from 1957. Mm -hmm. And the final one, Mice Follies from 1960. Uh, mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, the same year that uh, another show that sort of uh, parodied the Honeymooners came out, uh, the Flintstones. Oh, sure, sure. And we'll be jumping into the Flintstones here in a second. Mm -hmm. Real quick, the Honey Mousers, was it voiced by Art Carney and Jackie Gleason? No, uh, actually, uh, they were done by the uh, wonderful Warner Brothers uh, voice cast folks, you know, people like June Foray and, and Mel Blanc. Interestingly enough, uh, Robert McKimson also directed, in 1959, uh, a series called The Mouse That Jack Built, with starring Jack Benny, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool because uh, the entire cast, uh, Jack Benny... Eddie Rochester Anderson and um, Mary Livingston, they all reprised their voices from the radio series. Right. And uh, that's pretty cool. It's very cool. And it, it seems to me that this is perhaps the first example of live stars, live actors moving into animation. The concept going from parody to participation. 
Right. And, you know, I don't necessarily have the background story of how that negotiation went with Jack Benny versus some of the other stars. But I'm just happy that Jack Benny was a good sport about it. And the fact that uh, he also appears in the animated series, there's a live action section, you know, near the end as himself, where he breaks the fourth wall and thinks that the whole parodied cartoon that everyone just watched is you know, was a dream. Right, right. I think because Jack Benny participated in the cartoon, it just makes the cartoon so much better. And to your point, you know, being the first time that, you know, something like this happened, it's genius. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, really forward thinking for its time because it, it, it kicks off an entire trend. Right. And, you know, Jack Benny comes from radio. He was uh, sort of in the, the autumn of his career. And was able to find new life, a new audience, children, a new generation. <laughs> you know, I know who Jack Benny is. Right. Three Stooges. The Three Stooges cartoon. Oh, my gosh. 1965. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, it was made by this studio called Cambria. Right. It was a pretty cool cartoon because they had the, the actual Three Stooges and they did live wraparounds, you know, in between the cartoons. One of the stories I read was that there were more cartoons than there were live action wraparounds. And sometimes right. kids thought they was going to watch a repeat because they were familiar with the wraparound when right. it was actually a new cartoon that was premiering. And I'm sure that might have hurt ratings a little bit. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. The Three Stooges original shorts, you know, that were produced by Columbia back in the day. I mean, it was very animated and and it of course, it makes good sense to reinvent the Three Stooges and put them in a cartoon series. Their their humor, the slapstick, uh, quite frankly, the violence all <laughs> lent itself to animation. And I believe that because a lot of the movie studios also created a television business. You know, I think the movie studios understood finally, well, if we can't beat them, we might as well join them. Might as well join them. Right. And they all created television divisions. And as a result, a lot of the movie catalogs were sold to uh, TV stations. Right. And a lot of these stars like the Three Stooges and Lauren Hardy and Abbott and Costello, you know, they all started to get new fans. And a lot of their theatrical movies uh, became very popular on television. And television needed the content. So it was like a win-win for everybody. It was perfect. The Three Stooges did their own voices for the animated series. Cambria, also known as a studio that did Clutch Cargo, which had oh, the, sure. the, the yeah, weird yeah. Uh, uh, live sync mouth movement. Right, right. That was kind of creepy, but there wasn't yep. much animation. But folks still loved it anyway. Well, uh, yeah. And then Johnny Quest. <laughs> well, you know, there's similarities with characters on that show, like the, you know, Clutch Cargo kind of looks like Race Bannon a little bit. But right. again, that's for another podcast. Another podcast, another show. Yeah, because, I mean, after the Three Stooges in 66 and 67, and this was syndicated, uh, Laurel and Hardy, the animated series, shows right. up. And that was a co-production with Bozo the Clown, Hanna-Barbera, what's yeah, going Larry on? Harmon. Yeah, Larry Harmon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Larry Harmon, who was Bozo the Clown, who had his own live-action show for many, many years. Oh, yeah. You know, partnered with Hanna-Barbera to create 
uh, a Lauren Hardy animated series. I'm not exactly sure who owns the series these days, but I can tell you this is one of the Hanna-Barbera shows that was never part of the Hanna-Barbera package that Ted Turner bought to help create Boomerang. Right. Um, so I believe the rights still belong to whoever owns Lauren Hardy right now. But I mean, just the fact that everyone was sort of on the same wavelength. You know, you had the Three Stooges in 1965, and then the following year, all of a sudden, you get a Lauren Hardy cartoon followed by a Abbott and Costello cartoon. Right, right. Now, I can't speak to the fact that these shows were huge ratings hit, but it was definitely a trend that was going on in, in the in the 60s. And I can't necessarily... Um, give Jack Benny and Robert McKimson the credit, but a lot of these things seem to have happened after Jack Benny did it first in the Looney Tunes cartoon. Right. Well, it seems, I mean, when you talk about the Three Stooges, you know, their live action style lending itself to animation, it almost seems self, self-evident. self yeah, yeah, it makes it makes so much sense. And it was the, co- the comedians, the comedians that jumped in. Right, exactly. That moving forward, uh, certainly the 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 Three Stooges, Jack Benny. There's um, certainly an academic angle to all of that. Uh, 1965, the Beatles, and there's yeah. You don't need to think about that. That's that's simple. That's the simple math right there. It's kind of interesting that the Beatles were you know this huge musical group. You know, huge. Right. And that someone decided, hey, let's make a cartoon. Let's make a and cartoon. there could have been a direct link with all these comedians having cartoon shows. Or right. it could have been the Alvin show that had showed up a couple of seasons earlier mm. that was somewhat successful. It did start out in prime time and then was later Both. put on Saturday morning. Two ingredients. You got, you got the pop and rock. You got the, uh, you know, these are real people being animated. Right, right. So television, cartoons, and animation is kind of moving into the phase where people are experimenting and seeing what works and what doesn't. And the early 1960s was very interesting in terms of animation because there were studios popping up everywhere. They were everywhere. Um, A lot of them didn't last, and and some did. But um, in the early 60s, a lot of producers were getting into the animation business and they weren't necessarily dealing with the networks, you know, because right. all these shows that we mentioned, I mean, Lauren Hardy and Abbott and Costello, as well as the Three Students cartoons, they were all syndicated. You just had all these people jumping into the business and hoping that their series would take off. And the Beatles certainly took off with a, what, a, a 52 share. So let me explain what a 52 share is like. All right. A 52 share, if you compare it to today's ratings, that's like Super Bowl type ratings. Right. Okay. Right. And so the Beatles getting a 52 helped make ABC Saturday morning number one. Right. Up until this time, no Saturday morning show had seen a 52 share. It was just unheard of. Right. But, you know, the the Beatles were at the top of their game. They were at the top of their popularity. And it didn't matter that this was a Saturday morning show and a kid's show. And, and, you know, word on the street, the Beatles really didn't like the cartoon. But then later they did sort of like it. Anyway, uh, it doesn't matter because uh, it was a smart move to do a Beatles cartoon because they were that popular. 
Did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks? In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the Big Bang with the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. You know how Disney kind of like puts films on an assembly line, but you know that when you're getting something from Pixar because it takes so long to craft, that there's a lot of care put into it. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing Worldwide on radio seven days a week. Your favorite podcast app and right here on the ESO Network. Now, what really solidifies the viability of Hollywood actors and actresses getting into the animation game was the Flintstones. They had guest stars. And they had a lot of guest stars. Um, there was the, the famous Samantha Bewitched episode yeah. where, you know, Samantha and Darren show up as caveman and cavewoman. It was a one-time appearance, but a lot of people remember that episode. Uh, uh, no coincidence, though, because Hanna-Barbera was the studio that animated the Bewitched Open. Both studios were being distributed and owned by Screen Gems, and so there was a lot of things going on with Synergy, corporate Synergy, 60s styles back in the day. There were other celebrities also. Yeah, what do we got? <laughs> Raymond Burr. <laughs> Perry Mason was a huge show. He played Perry Mason. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's known in there in the show as Perry Masonite. <laughs> right, right. And I think he shows up during uh, the adoption battle for Bam Bam. Um, oh. Yeah. So when Bam Bam shows up, they take him to an adoption agency and, and the rebels try to adopt him legally. But this rich family comes along and they decide they want to adopt Bam Bam also. And when they get into the courthouse, you know, the Flintstones and the Rubbles get a little glum when they recognize that Perry Masonite is the lawyer for the other family. And they even Ah. play a little bit of the Perry Mason theme song (laughs) (laughs) when he shows up. But, you know, Perry Mason was a huge hit on a opposing network, which is another thing that kind of gets me is that and a lot of Flintstones episodes caricatured celebrities from competing network shows. And I'm sorry, if I was working at ABC at the time, I'm like, no, you are not putting a CBS star as a cartoon character in on my ABC show. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, I could see that. At the same time, you know, ABC doesn't have Perry Mason. CBS does, right? Right. Uh, Perry Mason's a hit. Well, I mean, why don't we? Why don't we get a taste of their their hard work? You know, let's. uh, Hey, everybody, Perry Mason uh, on on ABC. Yeah, you know, uh, all we gotta do is draw them in, throw them a few bucks, show up on them with a microphone one day, and here we are, you know, selling ad space based on the success of their show. Ultimately, right, right. I mean, I see that at the same time, you're also repping their show. You know, right. there's there's a give take going on there. Yeah. Oh well. 
But, you know, there were others too. The cast from Bonanza shows up as the, instead of the Cartwrights, they're the Cart Rocks. The Cart Rocks, and, yeah, right? Yeah. Also on, <laughs> Bonanza also aired on NBC. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting yep. to see a trend here. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> I think that's what they were doing. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, no, you're spot on. As as a producer, as as a as a as a uh, executive, it'd be like, no way, we're not we're not sharing our pie with them. Mm-hmm. That's madness. But I I think that uh, they were just like, hey, you know what? Let's make some free money right now. Right now, to be fair, the Bewitched episode, Bewitched did air on ABC, and so of course it made a right. lot of sense for the animated versions of those cartoons they air in the Flintstones. Uh, but there was um, there were other shows that got uh, parodied as well. For example, Dripper, which was based on a show called Flipper. Flipper, yeah. Mm-hmm. Flipper, mm-hmm. Flipper. Mm-hmm. There was also movie parodies that the Flintstones were doing, like Dr. Sinister episode, right. which is based on the James Bond Dr. No movie. Right. Um, and they are watching a guy named Jay Bondrock. And then they spoof Superman. Uh, Fred ends up being Super Stone. Right. Uh, right. Well, I mean, uh, the, the, the Flintstones kind of seem like a foundation, like one big bandwagon. Uh, right. That's kind of the genius of it. Right. So pulling exactly. from everywhere. Pulling from right. everywhere. Bringing in the musical stars also gave the Flintstones a kind of coolness factor. You had James Darren, you had uh, Anne Margaret. You just had a lot of musical groups showing up that were pretty hot musically at the time. And they were performing their hit songs. And a lot of these groups were like, you know, part of the the swing 60s um, crowd. Um, oh, uh, Bedrock, Twist, Twist. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They even so, whipped out their own single. Everything that they're doing is letting... The primetime audience know, hey, we're legit. You have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. It's pop culture. With a twist. It's music. LBGTQ+. And comedy. Well, dark comedy. It's nerd junk. It's comic books. Video games. Conventions. Yeah, nerd junk. And social commentary. It's woke, yo. Yeah, and nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. Thunder Talk is all over the place. Every place you want to be. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and download us on all podcast platforms. The next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder, like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcast, like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. So what did they call Rock Hudson when he was on the show? Was it Rock Hudson Rock? I mean, they changed his name to, to Rock Quarry. Rock Quarry. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody. In addition to us being with the awesome ESO Network, we have a brand new spanking commercial for you to check out. That's right. And here it is. What will you do when your child asks? What were Saturday morning cartoons? 
What? We're Saturday morning cartoons? What's wrong with you? Or will you handle it the right way? Sit down, baby girl. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mark McRae. Join Dan Clink and I on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast as we take a unique behind-the-scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a proud member of the ESO Network. Yeah, everybody, uh, so you won't be hearing that on our show because obviously you're already listening, but you head on over to ESO.com and check out all of the other fine networks and you'll be able to hear our commercial uh, all over there. <laughs> As well. But we know you want to hear this commercial because it's awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, speaking, uh, Perry Mason, the episode where they adopt uh, Bam Bam. Right. Speaking of this whole naming trope that they use. Didn't the rebels know that instead of going through all that nonsense, they could have just gone to Eastern Europe, it just dropped like 20, 20 grand, or, or would it would be like Eastern Europe rock? Right, right, right. No, the rebels didn't get, have get, any money. Get them out of some post-commie orphanage. No, or or do what some celebrities did in the nineteen forties: just go through the black market and adopt a baby. Go, yeah, right. Just go, <laughs> just go buy a kid, man. It's the Stone yeah. Age. Go hit him over the head right. with the with the right. with the club. Because that was the thing. I saw a story on 60 Minutes about it, and apparently a lot of these babies were stolen and then sold to people in the black market. I mean, that's that's the edge we need for a reboot of the of, of, of the Flintstones right there. Yeah. What, kidnappings? Yep. <laughs> yep. Gonna make it raw. Gonna make it real. What, what do our good listeners have uh, in store for them uh, next episode? So we're going to... Um, Explore the 70s, because in the 70s, the primetime trend to Saturday morning explosion happens. Oh, baby, give me one more chance. Show you that I love you. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if I'm going to use that. That's awful. Jackson 5 coming at you next time on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. Yep. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.